who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I'll use my background in journalism to dive into topics that matter to women today, from divorce to call-out culture to masculinity to girls' confidence. Season two of Thread the Needle finds the meeting place between feminist ideals and the realities of women's lives. Listen to Thread the Needle wherever you get your podcasts. It's all like old white people on Facebook being like, fuck this virus. I don't believe in it. I'm going to do whatever I want. And then like a month later, they'll be like, Paul is dead. Yeah. Please stay inside. (laughs) It's a mess. It is a real shit show. But I'm going to have some new blazers soon. So maybe that'll help (laughs) me from crying. (laughs) I'm ducking out. You're ducking out. Let's duck out together. See what it's all Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that you can listen to while you assemble your zine, bake your vegan cupcakes, make floating shelves out of driftwood, or however you spend your time these days. I'm Carolyn Bergier. And I'm Melody Kamali. And today we're diking out with comedian and writer Shantira Jackson about hobbies. Shantira is based in LA, and you may know her from Busy Tonight on E! and 3P Comedy's The Blackening. She's currently a writer for the new Saved by the Bell reboot. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Hello. Hey. <laughs> Hi. We're so sad that we can't be there with you in person in L.A., which was the original plan, but... I wish you could be here. L.A. is so, like, nice to have visitors. <laughs> yeah, I love to visit <laughs> and then scoot. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand that. I, I do love when people visit. I like to, like, take them to get nachos and hang out. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny. I feel like the experience visiting L.A. is so much different than living in L.A. Because every time I go there, I like never hit traffic. And then I make plans with so many people and nobody flakes out on them. And then everybody who lives there is like traffic all the time and everybody's a flake and nobody wants to do anything. I'm like, not if you're a visitor. No, that's exactly that's so true. That's how I feel about New York. Like yeah. <laughs> when like I lived in New York and we were friends, I'd be like, eventually we'll get invited to the same thing and we will see each other. 
But yeah. I'm yeah. not coming from Sunset Park to Bushwick to hang yeah. out. <laughs> I refuse. No. <laughs> so I am so curious about this Saved by the Bell reboot because, you know, there are all these rumors of reboots happening mm-hmm. and I, I don't have the time to follow every single one of them. So I didn't know that this was actually happening. Yeah, yeah me neither. I've got some questions. I mean, I know you probably can't really tell us too much, but is Jesse Spano finally out as a lesbian? Is she uh, embracing no. her lesbian side? <laughs> no! Uh, I don't think that's a spoiler, though. Uh, it's a spoiler for me. That's the only reason I'd watch it. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> knowing that you write for it, I'll watch it. Oh, please do. And honestly, I want everyone to watch it, but if you don't want to watch it like my feelings won't be hurt i already got paid so (laughs) (laughs) no jesse is not an out lesbian uh but i i always say you never count anything out late in life lesbianism is very big right now and that would be the case maybe season two i can make no promises i have no power I really thought I really thought it would happen for her. Does Tori come back as a lesbian? Uh, Tori never came back on the original, so I don't know. No, if she'll I know. Come back. But also, like I like am a Wikipedia slut, so like I'm always <laughs> deep diving, loving to go and see what's going on. So the lady who played Tori, first of all, she's a twin. Fun fact. Yes, I've also been on her Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, I like especially when I like got hired. I was like, where where are all these people? Uh, and she like does like a bunch of directing she like went behind the camera so i don't even think she's acted really since the original say by the bell she went behind the scenes oh, cool. but she is an out gay lady oh yeah she hella yeah. gay yeah <laughs> <laughs> they didn't acknowledge it on the show i'm just wondering like where where the queer storylines in saved by the bell are i mean i think that the old ones there were none there were a lot of jokes about like accidentally loving someone of the same gender. But I think our show is fluid. I think that especially Generation Z, I'm a millennial, but people confuse the two a lot. Is those those kids are very fluid and we put a lot of that fluidity in the show. I think it's fun. Check it out. Also, I haven't seen the edits, so I have no idea (laughs) what what make a cut. (laughs) I cannot emphasize this enough. I have no power. So (laughs) I make sure that like nothing terrible gets in for sure. The scripts like I'm very good at being like, don't say that. We can't do that. I don't know what that is. Leave it alone. I'm like very good at that. So there is nothing problematic in the show, but I literally don't know what makes the cut. (laughs) Wait, you'd mentioned coming out or just lesbian later in life. That reminded me. Have you watched A Secret Love yet? No. What is that? Is it, is it, it a, just is came it, out yesterday. Oh, so Melody yeah. is really thinking that we're <laughs> like, all... Wow, really? You haven't seen it, you lesbians? <laughs> We've been streaming everything as it comes out. I took a day trip yesterday to like go look at those poppies in uh, San Clarita. So I, I didn't watch anything yesterday. Oh, nice. Just very Except nice. nature. Oh, yeah. Nature's gay as hell. <laughs> Don't rub it in our face. <laughs> Wait, I have no nature by me. I've been in my apartment for over six weeks now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll send you a pic of the poppies. (laughs) Please do. But anyway, Melody, A Secret Love, which I'm going to watch, but you scared me with how much you cried. (laughs) Yeah, I I knew I'd cry. I didn't know I'd like sob uncontrollably. It's um, a story about a lesbian couple that's been together since the 40s, like closeted. They would tell people they were best friends, cousins. They lived together in Chicago. I have seen the previews of this. Yeah, it was a lot. (laughs) Like, I wasn't really prepared. So, 
Just just have some tissues ready. It's also one of them played on the baseball team that A League of Their Own was based off of. It's just yes. like this badass lesbian story. It's really good. What are you watching during quarantine? Is there anything that you're like getting around to that you've been meaning to or just like new stuff? Also, are you one of those comedy writers that can't watch comedy and needs to watch like murder documentaries? I am one of those comedy writers that doesn't watch a lot of television in general, to be completely yeah. honest. I yeah. can't I can't really watch reality television. It gives me a lot of anxiety Same. to watch regular people like at their worst. At their worst. I can't. I, can't. I, I, I really have a hard time. But there is some reality television that I genuinely enjoy, like making it with Amy Poehler. Oh, yeah. And I, I always want to say Ron Swanson, but that's not his real name. Yeah, Nick uh, Offerman. <laughs> Nick Offerman, yeah. I'm always like, Amy Poehler and Ron Swanson? It's so nice. I like it because it's just like people who like crafts and they make crafts. Another reality show that I watched is called uh, The Repair Shop. And it is genuinely, this is what it is, okay? It's this <laughs> group of repair people, and they like repair um, watches. There's a couple of ladies that repair like old teddy bears from like World War II. So people in Britain or the UK come to the shop with all of their like family heirlooms, like stuff that was passed down from their like great great grandparents, and they'll be like, it's all dogs and babies who fuck up stuff. That's it. It's like, they'll be like, this is from World War II and my dog ate it. This is from this is from 1911 and it was saved from the Titanic and my grandchild threw it against the wall. So like, it's like, that's it. And they'll take it to these people and they'll be like, can you repair it? And over the episode, everybody in the shop, there's like a Renaissance painter restoration lady. There's a, a blacksmith. And it's just like eight people who repair people's antiques. And the British people are so nice. They'll like come in and be like, hello, can you fix this? And they'll be like, we'll do our best. And then they come back a week later and they'll be like, did you fix my mom's teddy bear? And then they'll be like, we did it. And then everybody cries. I love it. That's what I watch. That sounds lovely. Yeah. That is what I watch. I will watch UK reality TV, like the British baking show and stuff like that, where they're just all so lovely and polite. And then they also have this humor that's like, pretty raunchy but they get away with it it's just like so nudge nudge wink wink i don't know i love, oh, I love man. it i'm watching the complete opposite british programming because while they do have cute touching programming like that they also have the craziest reality shows i do watch reality tv like they have one called naked attraction have you heard of oh that? my gosh i watched <laughs> one episode of naked attraction and it, it was a guy so with the biggest dick i've ever seen <laughs> On that show. <laughs> but they are really inclusive and they have like lots of different bodies and yeah. like not just cis bodies, like all across the spectrum. And it's just a bunch of naked people in these like two. Where do you watch this? Pornhub? <laughs> it, it, it's, it's literally on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. I watch it on YouTube. Oh. Yeah. I have a VPN that is scamming me and won't let me quit. Like I just paid for one month because I want to watch Love Island in February <laughs> and they just keep charging me and I don't know how to get them to stop. So I just seek out like international programming now, I guess, to justify the $12 a month. Wow. <laughs> that show, the one episode I watched, the, the girl was, uh, she recovered from cancer and like she was trying to get dick. She did not <laughs> care about that guy's personality and she chose this guy who had a full-blown dragon tattoo across his whole 
chest. And like, <laughs> I thought literal, you were going to say dick. <laughs> no, his entire chest was a dragon tattoo. Like the dragon filled up his whole chest and he had like a 13 inch cock. And then she was like, um, I choose him. And then he <laughs> went on one date with her and then the sh- he, he ghosted the show. Oh my God. A week later, like there's, they like come back and go, how was your date? And then she was like, I never heard from him again. And the show was like, we can't find him. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one episode I watched and I was like this is too much for me <laughs> he probably turned back into a dragon I don't know. No, probably <laughs> I'm bummed that I'm already done with little fires everywhere me too I well I binged uh, and watched it within two days two days ago I started it I watched two episodes I'm like really bad I was my girlfriend reads so many books and she read the book and I was like can you just tell me what happened and then she told me what happened so if y'all want to talk about it I can I know everything that happened and I can tell you what's different from the book but did she watch the show yeah she's watching it I like was like, I don't want to watch this. I mad props to Kerry Washington and nobody plays a uppity white bitch like Reese Witherspoon. Seriously. I, I was, know. She is like really dialing into it. I was like, yes, girl, make me hate you. Let me go watch something else so that I remember I, I genuinely enjoy you. I know. Yes. I watched Election after. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh my God. I love Election so much. But she's I, so good. She's so good and in the finale when she yells at her daughter yes you are i like screamed i don't Uh, know it was such she's so good but i'm like really happy for reese because you know because she's been in the game she was like 10 you know that she's done a bunch of shit that she was like i gotta do this i'll do it and then when i get my clout I'm gonna play the shittiest white people ever and I'm gonna make you see yourselves. So like I'm really yes. I'm really proud yeah. of her. Her and Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt produces like every black movie that you'd be like, he produced that? <laughs> it's like <laughs> Okay, Reese, okay, Brad. Ally. <laughs> what you said about so that white people can like really see themselves, that's what I thought the show did just like phenomenally well that it covered it just from like so many different angles of like quote-unquote well-intentioned white people yeah and it's like the way that she does it it's because I also think that like if you show it in a movie they'll be like those people like the help they'll be like those people in the 1950s were terrible that's not me and you show like Reese Witherspoon everybody loves her Everyone will watch something that she's in and she's like, I know you're going to sit home and you're going to watch this and I'm going to fucking show you who you are. I'm going to trick your ass into seeing who you are. And I like respect that so much. Yeah, Yeah. especially playing like a Democrat, like, you know, not just like the obvious conservative woman. But like, I mean, spoiler alert, the first thing she did was call the police on a black person mind their own damn business. Immediately, the (laughs) first thing she did. And I was like, yes, Reese, show them who the fuck they are. And then she came face to face with the person she called the police on. And I was like, yes, show their humanity. I like was like, you're doing the Lord's work, you know? (laughs) Perfect. Yeah. And also just like the all the high school stuff. I mean, one with the one daughter who's queer and you know, dealing with that and the fallout with her friend who was her first girlfriend. And then um, the older daughter who has a black boyfriend and like the conversations that they have are like, 
I don't know. I, I went to a high school where it was mostly like upper middle class white people. And it was a thing where nobody thought they were racist, but it was also like we thought like, oh, everybody's the same and like not realizing the different lives and experiences different people have. Yeah. And we're just like so blind to all that. And having having a show like this that exposes it and that teens can watch and be like and get that wake up call a little bit earlier so that they don't become uh, somebody who calls the cops on black people minding their own business. (laughs) You know, I mean, I think that everyone thinks they're the good guy. I mean, like Darth Vader thinks he's the good guy, (laughs) you know, and like I think that this show is really showing that like. Being a good person and doing the right thing a lot of times don't add up. Like, people will be like, I'm a good person. I donate to charity. But it's like, there are things that even deep within your own psyche, you don't realize that it's a part of you. And then when you finally accept that, like, things that you didn't even realize your microaggressions are showing, I always say. When you finally realize your microaggressions are showing, then you can actually match up with the feeling good that you have within you. It's like, I think I'm a good person. It's like, yeah, you don't murder people, but the bar has risen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Truly. That show is like a masterclass in microaggressions. Truly. I want to go back and ask, what are the differences between the book and the TV show? So in the book, she technically has never had sex. Like she's impregnated via like a turkey baster yeah yeah uh and then that really uh this is my girlfriend's quote she was like it really made me feel for her in a different way they like really changed her character drastically because in that show she's like fucking some random dude in her car with her baby in the backseat right which is like vastly different from who she is in the book huh i wonder why they did that i don't know but i i think that um, it kind of changes, not necessarily that it should, but it's like in the book, it's like she's never had sex and she has this baby. And I think that it's like, oh shit, like she never got to experience that. And in the movie, they just like show her fucking some random dude. So you never ever get that explanation or you never feel those feelings for someone who never got to like have sex on their own like volition, which I think changes a lot about the character yeah so that is a big difference in the book for that character and then i don't know i don't remember i was like can you just spoil it for me so she just told me everything that happened so everything you were talking about i understood but uh that was the one thing that um my girlfriend talked about that i was like oh actually yeah that really does make a difference in how i like see this character going through the world because if you'd like just like fuck some dude in your front seat with your baby in the back. I'm like, whoa, she's like wild. <laughs> it's like she really need to get it in. Uh, or like, if he would have gave her money, I would have been like, oh, okay, she's doing this for money. But it wasn't. It was just like her doing that. But she's in like, the why? book, yeah. But in the, it's like, why? Yeah, I was like, why did you show me that? Yeah, I don't even like men. <laughs> that is the major thing that I remember that my girlfriend talked about, and I was like, oh yeah, that would like. If they said that in the movie, I'd be like, oh, damn, she really she really did sacrifice like her own 
I, I don't want to necessarily know like her sexuality, but like that part of her life for this child. Yeah. yeah. How else have you been doing in, in quarantine? Have you done anything like crazy or out of character since all this started? I bought a rowing machine. <laughs> yes. I was looking at those online. I was looking at rowing and stepping machines. I have another friend who got a rowing machine, too. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I do work out, but I am not the have workout equipment in my house type person. Yeah. So I, I did, like, buy a rowing machine, and I put it together this morning, which is nice. also pretty gay. And, like, I, ordered, I was, like, looking for weights on the internet. I was like, how do I find some kettlebells? Because <laughs> 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 there's like a shortage in America. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. Oh, really? Because everybody's working out at home. So there are no weights like in any of the stores. So I was like online, like trying to buy weights from like Dick Sporting Goods. And they were like, get put on our email list and we'll let you know when we have weights. And I'm like, oh, God. Well, these biceps just going to have to be the way they are. <laughs> well, listeners, if you hear Shantira breathing heavily during this episode, she is on a rowing machine. Uh, <laughs> that'll explain it. I am uh, rowing. I'm trying to get it in. <laughs> I haven't bought anything crazy in quarantine, but what I did do was have a few glasses of wine and like the week or two before quarantine, sometimes I go drunk online shopping and I got like a lot of streetwear, like Nikes, like really nice, like oh, Air Force yeah. Ones and stuff, you know, just like shoes that you know, I'm not leaving the apartment. Like I can't wear them out. So I'm just wearing <laughs> them around my apartment with no one <laughs> to compliment me on them. <laughs> I just put shoes in my queue from Nike. Yesterday I built a pair of oh, Nike nice. blazers, yes. like these high tops that I love. And I was like, I'm a bodies. And I just like <laughs> have them in the queue. These like personally made by me Nike blazers. I ain't got nowhere to go. I Seriously. Couldn't, I couldn't be <laughs> less needed in the world. There is a pair of high tops with my initials sewn in the back oh, waiting yeah. to be made at Nike. And I'm a press, I'm a, I'm a buyer. <laughs> I'm a press that button. <laughs> I'm gonna press that button. <laughs> yeah, I, I, seriously, I look so dumb. I just wear the gear around. No, you look like, cool. Or my cat. <laughs> you look cool in your own house. And if you're gonna look yeah. cool for anybody, it should be for yourself and an animal that you keep alive. The least okay. you can do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to get a full length mirror. I don't even have that. <laughs> yeah, we're only buying indoor things right now because I feel like we're gonna be trapped in our apartment on and off. For the next year, isn't that yeah. exciting? It's like 18 months, <laughs> but it changes all the time. When I read the news right. this morning, it said 18 months, but what? I might read it. This, yeah, they were like, 18 months is going to be going <laughs> on and off for the next 18 months because people won't yeah. stay inside. There are people who can't yeah. stay inside, but then there's a bunch of people who won't. Yeah. Yeah. Melody's yeah. one of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just wondering if it was okay for me to say the next thing, which was there's a lot of Hasidic Jews in my neighborhood who are just not wearing masks and gathering and just out uh, in clusters. And uh, Bill de Blasio had to personally go a few days ago and break them up and like... Yeah, there was a funeral. There yeah. was yeah. a huge, huge funeral. And guess what? The rabbi who died... Guess what he died of? Coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. Th These people was... are buck wild in these streets. Mm -hmm. Buck 
wild. <laughs> yeah, I know, like, Bill de Blasio doesn't handle anything really with grace for the most part. Yeah. So you couldn't expect him to handle this well. But also, like, there is a real problem with the Hasidic community in Brooklyn. Like, that's where they have the crazy, like, measles outbreaks every year and uh, because they don't vaccinate anybody. And then they're all packed into close quarters. They don't, like, distance or anything. And then they won't observe like the social distancing or the quarantine or the shelter in place or any of that they do what they want they do what they want and like i mean like that's the thing that's been so hard it's like yeah people do what they want and if you want to do what you want i don't give a fuck right but like don't do what you want and then like come to my grocery store yeah right <laughs> like if you want to do what you want stay in your house or like yeah it's just like so it's so wild but there are a lot of people like uh, uh who are getting sick after they're like it's all like old white people on facebook being like fuck this virus i don't believe in it i'm gonna do whatever i want and then like a month later they'll be like paul is dead please (laughs) please stay inside (laughs) like okay Um, it's also like if People would do whatever they want to do, but then they have to be treated by these hospitals that are overwhelmed in a lot of areas. So that's like, it's a mess. But It is uh, a real shit show. But I'm going to have some new blazers soon, so maybe that'll (laughs) help me from crying. Push that button. (laughs) You know, don't tell me. I I got my computer open right now. I might fuck around and buy them in the middle of this taping. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is the one to get like blazers and high tops. This is if you're going (laughs) to buy that during any podcast recording, it's diking out. Oh, yes, please. (laughs) Honestly, you're right. You're right. Let me mess around and get a check. I don't know what's coming. The government sent me some money. I'm going to buy some shoes. (laughs) Yeah. Still waiting on mine. I know. I'm still waiting on mine. I thought mine was going to come and then it didn't. I was like, oops. I have been, I had to call so many people. It's like a true shit show, man. Trying to call unemployment. So how has this affected you as a comedian? Like, we all know that comedians aren't performing live anywhere and a lot of the comedy you do is improv, but also like writer's rooms and things like that are all kind of either going virtual if the show's already in progress, but a lot of production is being halted, right? Yeah, there's like the writing part. There's a lot of Zoom rooms. My friend writes for Brooklyn Nine-Nine right now and they're doing like a Zoom room. And then I had Zoom general meetings and like I had a Zoom interview for a job. Uh, that I didn't get, but you know what? That's okay. Uh, <laughs> they're still making television. And that's the thing. Yeah. Like, I also don't perform as much as I did before. Like, I'm not a, like a stand-up, really. I do stand-up occasionally, but I'm an improviser. And I, when I was living in Chicago and I was doing like 10, 12 shows a week for all of my 20s, when I got in my 30s and I moved out of Chicago, I don't perform like that anymore. I perform mm-hmm. like once a month an improv show for free. So like, I I think that it is hitting a lot of people who really do hit those mics, especially the younger generation. You need those fucking reps. Yeah. You move to Chicago when you're 22, you move to New York when you're 22 and you do five, 10, 20 open mics a week so that you can get your reps in so you can be the best you can be. And it really feels like shit. To be like, I moved here away from my family. I don't have any money. I work a job I don't like. I moved here so that I could get better at my craft. And now all of that's stripped away. I don't think people understand that like 
people aren't moving to New York because we like the smell. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're moving to these places thousands of miles away from our families for our dreams. And like, I know that it might not seem like a big deal, but like I moved from Tallahassee, Florida to Chicago and I lived in a basement apartment. I worked at Banana Republic. Like I was there to do comedy. And if Mm -hmm. all of that stripped away and then you have to stay in the city, that's really, really hard. That's really painful to be there. And and it's not like other things. Like if you're a writer, obviously you can sit at home and you can write, but like you can't be a stand up in your apartment by yourself. Tell me about it. Yeah, yeah, you're right when you say reps because it is a muscle. Like you are just out of shape. Like I don't know what it's going to be like to do like stand up after all of this. It's going to be so weird. I don't even know if it's going to be like a slow transition. Will the scene be just like overwhelmed with everybody getting back into it? Or are a lot of people moving away? I think a lot of people are going to quit. Are people going to come watch? Right. But I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I was talking to my partner about this. The other day, I was like, I used to just, like, go see shit just because. You know what I right. mean? Like, yeah. do I want to go sit in a room with, like, a bunch of dirty white boys in their early 20s <laughs> after this to watch them do improv or stand-up? They were already not washing their hands before. Oh, like, right. <laughs> like, do I want to go into a basement? Like, I have done comedy in some places that I would not eat out of <laughs> yeah because i wanted the rep you know what i mean what does it mean for those dive bars also like when you're not very good when you're very green when you're just getting started that's who will book you that's where you learn to fail that's where you like test all your shit and it's like a dirty dirty dive bar probably isn't going to be filled up the way it needs to be for you to get your rep in the way you want so i i think that We'll figure it out, though. That dive bar might not even be open. So it's like all these people who have like weekly and monthly shows, those venues might be closed down after this. And then also a lot of comedians and artists, they work in the food service industry. So not only are they not able to perform, but they've also lost their jobs as like servers and bartenders. Yeah. yeah, which keep them in New York so they can do comedy in those dive bars. It's crazy. Yeah, exactly. It's like yeah. it's really hard. It's really frustrating. I really feel for like my people. I mean, like I folded a lot of chinos just <laughs> yeah. to go pay to do like comedy in a bar. I steamed so much milk, you guys. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you you really put in that time and like it feels like the way that things are going, like 2020, it's going to be like a full year, like a full wash of a year. That's a long time yeah. in comedy years, you know, and that's a lot of classes you didn't get to take. That's the entire program at IO. That's your entire conservatory program at Second City is yeah. a year. So it's like, fuck, I moved away from home. I'm broke as hell just so I could spend a year not doing what I came here to do. That's really hard. So I really send all my love out to like the comedians out there who are like in their apartment. And also you don't have to be writing. Like people were like, use this time to write, man. If you said, you ain't got it right. You ain't yeah, got you it if you don't write. want to. <laughs> yeah. You, know, you could just feel bad about like not being able to do your 5B shows, you know? Like you could yeah. feel bad. <laughs> Man, I did Zoom comedy recently for the first time, like stand up, and it felt yeah. so weird. And it was the most nervous I've ever been to do 
comedy, like more nervous than when I taped something for TV. Like I could not deal. I was shaking just like cause everyone's staring at you. There was like 200 people in the room. But they're mute. They're all muted. And you can you're staring at the host and just like looking for some reaction in their face. It's really jarring. I mean, you also like, you've been in the game for a while, right? So like you go to like your venue, you're like, you know what? I know this house. I know how I feel on stage. I know that like being on stage brings out like something different in me. And like, it's different, man. If you put me on the stage in Chicago, if you put me on the stage and you know what I mean? And you're like, I've been here before. These are my people. I fucking got this. Now you're like in your crib and it's like 200 people. You don't get to see their faces. You don't get to see anybody go before you, like what the vibe is. It's like a real skill (laughs) set. And you don't know who's wearing pants. I would find that distracting. (laughs) I'd be like, nobody's wearing pants and I'm I'm uncomfortable. This is like the yeah. true meaning of that of that nightmare of like you go out on stage and everybody's naked. Like people are for sure hella naked. Yeah. <laughs> Watching your stand-up. True. <laughs> so now you have to be like, just imagine them with clothes on. I'm doing the Zoom show yeah. and I'm nervous. Just picture that they're all clothed. They have on pants. I know they do. <laughs> Well, with all of our dreams on hold, I guess now is a great time to be picking up new hobbies. And that's our topic for today. Yeah. We are talking about hobbies when you pitch this as a topic about how like as an adult, you get to try all these hobbies that you didn't get to try as a kid for various reasons. So let's start with like, what were the hobbies that you had as a kid? I mean, I played basketball and then I was I was in the band. I played the flute. So those were the two things I did for like my whole life. I think people like don't give kids enough credit. We like pick one thing when we're like six and then you like make us do it till we're 18. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Some kids like I want to play soccer. And then like your dad makes you do it till you like graduate high school. So I did. Those were the two things that I picked when I was six and, and 10. So you picked them. It wasn't your parents who picked them for you. No, like I wanted okay. to play basketball. I played I played T ball like when I was in like second grade. And then my dad was like, Do you wanna sign up for like YMCA basketball? And I was like, Yeah, because this is like nineteen ninety three. This is the height of Jordan, you know? So I was like, Yeah, yeah I wanna play basketball. So then I dropped T ball for basketball and then I just played basketball for the rest of my life. And that <laughs> and then in middle school I wanted to play in the band. Cause like every fucking sixth grader wants to play an instrument. I got a flute from my aunt who used to be in the band. I wanted to be like my aunt, but like this is just like a sad story kind of. I'm allergic to nickel. And the flute had nickel in it and it broke out my face. So my dad was like, if you if you want to keep playing, I have to buy you a silver plated flute, which was like really expensive. It was like covered in silver. And I was like, yeah, I love the flute. I want to play till I die. I was like 11. So my dad spent like a grand on this flute. And he was like, all right. We're a flute family now. And then when I was like 15, I was like, I won't do this anymore. And he was like, remember when I told you we were a flute family? So then I like <laughs> just like kept playing because I had like this thousand dollar instrument. My parents aren't rich. <laughs> so like those are the two things I committed to as a preteen. <laughs> and I did them. Yeah, out of guilt. Like kind of out of guilt, but then also like, yeah, I guess I understand like. 
I agree to this, but like he knew 11 year old me would say yes. I was like, I love it. I love the flute. I want to be a band director. Yeah. (laughs) And then I was like 16 and I got a car and I was like, I don't want to be a band director. (laughs) (laughs) Could you pick it up and play right now? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I was like very good. I like practiced a lot. Like middle school is good because I, I genuinely did love it. I like told my dad I wanted to do it forever because when I was 10, I did want to do it forever. I came home and I practiced every day. I know all my scales and my chromatic. I was really good. And then in high school, I was good too. I practiced a lot. I mean, I had to do it. I wanted to be good at it. I was first chair, I was section leader, oh, but I did not wow. want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> What did you want to do hobby-wise then? I mean, like, I wanted to play basketball, but, like, we weren't great. I feel like there's so many people who always talk about, like, sports in high school as, like, their glory days. But it's, like, the average person did an activity in high school, like, very mediocre. Like, just, like, regular. (laughs) Like, I, I can play basketball, but, like, nobody wanted me to play basketball in college. So, like, I, like, played. We were bad. We lost all the time. And it was, like, I get to hang out with my friends and we go to Pizza Hut Buffet. That's fucking lit. So (laughs) I did that. And then I graduated and went to college. And I, like, for the first time in my life, didn't have to be at school for 15 hours a day. (laughs) It's, like, cool. (laughs) I was in band and I played clarinet and then bass clarinet. And I wasn't that good at it. I didn't practice. I didn't care. And I felt like I had so many hobbies that I liked to do, but I wasn't, there was nothing that I was like so passionate about that I became really good at it. I was like on softball, but mostly because I liked the people I was playing with and I thought it was fun, but I wasn't that good. I liked doing like crafts. You know, I would get into like knitting and weird things. Uh, I like to draw, but like I never felt like there was like one thing that I was like, oh yeah, this is my thing. Well, Um, there's stuff I wanted to try, but I just like didn't get to. Like my parents wouldn't pay for it. Like I love fucking Power Rangers and I wanted to do karate so bad. I wanted, I watched the Olympics and I wanted to do gymnastics. All that shit's expensive. My dad got us a basketball goal and it was in the back of our house and he bought me a basketball and he was like, have at it. Do you know what I mean? So like, there's stuff I wanted to do that I thought was cool, stuff that I wanted to try, but like signing up for YMCA basketball costs 50 bucks and then your kid's busy three nights a week for like four months. Like... As an adult, I'm like, I understand why my dad and my mom like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I did gymnastics and like figure skating. And now I'm realizing it's because I was a quiet kid. It probably didn't work well in teams at the time. But um, (laughs) I also had immigrant parents who really couldn't afford this stuff. But I think at the time they saw it as an investment. And they were like, oh, she's going to be Christy Yamaguchi. You know, like... (laughs) We're going to pay. This is an investment. And then like as I grew older and they were just I didn't take it seriously, they would just immediately stop funding it and then like move to the next one just to like anything that could potentially be a scholarship, I think. Oh, yeah. I my cousin got to do karate and he quit (sighs) after six months. I was so mad. He was like, I don't like it. And I was like, Jamal, this is wasted on you. (laughs) I wanted to do karate, too. It probably was Power Rangers. 
I wanted to be a Power Ranger so bad. I wanted to be able to do a backflip so bad. <laughs> Karate and gymnastics were my life's blood, and I was never going to get to do that because they didn't have it at my school after school, and it was, now that I know, very expensive. Like, for it is. basketball, yeah. I just had to stay after school, and then my parents would pick me up after work. It was, like, not inconvenient. I wanted to do Taekwondo and my cousin did it, but he didn't quit. He went all the way up to like past black belt or whatever. And when I went with my mom to the place after like months of me begging, like, please sign me up for Taekwondo. It's like all I want to do. And then we went there and like saw the prices and she was like, I don't know. There's other stuff you could do. And I'm like, okay, I guess yeah. I'll do cross stitching <laughs> in my bedroom by myself. You guys, we all want to do a little bit of karate. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I forget why I couldn't do karate when they did sign me up. I just realized I did figure skating in fourth grade. My mom used to wake me up when it was dark out by sprinkling water on my face. And we'd get up and go to the rink where I would practice before elementary school. What? The Whoa. Fuck? It sounds like your mom really believed in you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. I, I eventually got really chubby and we stopped funding that. But that was just so crazy. Like, I got, got to get to the rink before fourth grade. What? Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. We weren't that serious in my house. I played basketball, but my dad is like a really like talented athlete. Like he could probably outrun me right now. He's like a machine. He's like six four. He went to college on a track scholarship and I just am like not that fast. So like people were like very disappointed because I went to the same high school as my parents. So like there were oh. some teachers and stuff that were there when my parents were there and they'd be like, oh yeah, you're Lennox Jackson, you're Renice's daughter, you must, because my mom ran track too. So they'd be like, you're so fast. And I'd be like, honestly, y'all, I'm not. I'm just like, <laughs> I can run like a regular speed. I'm not fast. <laughs> Dude, but when it comes to the flute, you're just tearing through those scales. I'm just like a really good flautist, you know what I mean? <laughs> but I cannot do hurdles, you know? That's what was happening, yeah. <laughs> the flute skills work now. They're great. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, as a, as a queer lady, those flute skills come in way more handy. Yeah. yeah. Younger listeners, find you a flautist. Find yeah. you a flautist. <laughs> Anybody, like, truly, get you a woodwind player, baby. Yeah, clarinet, too. <laughs> clarinet works. Saxophone, oboe. Oboe, their jaw strength, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm better with my fingers because I played violin. Ooh, yeah. Ah, I love that. that. <laughs> Precision. <laughs> Okay, who's ready for a true story? When I entered my MFA program this fall, I knew I was going to have so little time for cooking. So I wanted a solution that would let me have tasty, healthy meals in a flash so that after class, I could still have time and energy to be gay. So I signed up for Factor, which ships you ready-to-eat meals that are chef-created and dietitian approved they're fresh, never frozen, so all you have to do is stick them in the microwave for two minutes, and then they're nice and done. Um, the weekly menu has over 35 options. The salmon entrees are always my personal favorite, but they have um, a lot of things you can choose from, options for different dietary needs like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. They also have add-ons for when you don't need an entire meal. Um, I tried some good cookies and some jerky. Uh, no prep, no mess, and 
And when I looked into it financially, which was one of my main concerns, it was actually less expensive than uh, takeout and honestly, really close to the cost of buying ingredients at the grocery store down my block in New York City. Uh, And then I saved a lot of time. So to me, it was definitely worth it. Did I mention that the meals are also really delicious? Like I've yet to try one that I didn't like. So if that sounds good to you, I think you should give it a try too. Head to factormeals.com slash dykingout50 and use code dykingout50 to get 50% off. That's code dykingout50 at factormeals.com slash dykingout50 to get 50% off. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. So then, like, once you became an adult and having free time maybe then did you start looking into different hobbies and being like oh I don't have anyone telling me I can't do karate anymore well like okay so like it's like pretty recent honestly like when I when I was in my 20s I was doing comedy all the time that was my hobby that was what I wanted to do I loved it so much did you consider it a hobby though because I wonder like with improv how many people consider it a hobby or how many people are like, no, this is like part of my career? I wanted to be a sketch performer. That I mean, like okay. when I say hobby, I mean, like there was no extra time for anything else. You weren't getting paid. I wasn't getting <laughs> yeah. paid. I was paying to do it. Uh, yeah. But it was what I did. There was no time yeah. for anything else. I went to work so I could pay for class. When I got off of work, I went to class. After I was done with all my classes, I went to work so that I could pay rent while I went and did free shows. Like, yep. that's what I did for my whole 20s. And then I, like, got a TV writing job and I didn't make that much money. But <laughs> I wasn't doing, like, 100 improv shows anymore. I, like, started doing other stuff that I thought was interesting and that my parents weren't going to put the bill for when I was, like, 10. I, like, started pickling. I, like, <laughs> did a bunch of shit. I, like, make a bunch of pickles. I picked up skateboarding when I turned 30. Yes. And, like, skateboards are expensive. 
Are they? Yeah, a good one. I've always wanted to do it. I've never tried. I moved to LA and I I bought a longboard and I lived like a mile and a half away from work and I like started skateboarding. I was like, this is a thing I want to learn how to do. So now I have like a bunch of skateboards. In the before times, as I call them, I used to like skateboard to work. (laughs) Yes. I took a woodworking class and I built my own skateboard. Uh, gay much. I know. Like, you <laughs> took two things and combined them into a super gay. <laughs> a super gay hobby. Yeah. But it's like all this stuff that I like have been like, oh, I want to try that. Oh, yeah. I want to do this. I never necessarily had the time or like the financial stability. And when I was 22, I wouldn't drop 120 bucks on a longboard. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, for something I want to try. But like now everything that I kind of think about doing... I want to take piano lessons. That was like the next on my list. When the job that I was working at Saved by the Bell, when it finished, I was looking up people to take piano lessons with because I'm musical and I think it'd be cool. But like, I wanted to play piano when I was younger, but nobody bought me, me lessons. I really wanted Same. to play piano. They bought my sister lessons and she never wanted to play. And I wanted to play. And if you can't tell, I'm still bitter. Uh, (laughs) so it's on my list actually last year my wife was gonna buy me like a digital keyboard whatever for Christmas and I was like no I don't have time with comedy to actually like give this the attention it needs but I'm like one day one day I will have the time and the money to dedicate to the piano and learn a song by like Ben Folds 5 and play it. <laughs> yeah, I want to try stuff. And I think that that's the thing. When I was in college, that was the first time I got to just kind of like try stuff. Like I took like dance classes. I took a bowling class. Oh, I need that. I took a rock climbing class. I've like tried a bunch of stuff. And I think that as an adult, I have the time, obviously, because I'm not doing a shit ton of after school activities. So hope that I get into college. But like I had like a little bit of money and I was like, oh, I can take a lesson and learn how to rock climb. If I went to my black ass mama when I was 17 and been like, can I have a hundred dollars so I can learn how to rock climb? She would have been like, absolutely not. So (laughs) (laughs) no. (laughs) So now I just like do whatever I want. People talk about fucking like dumb people, I think, are like high school, college is great. Fuck that. Great is when you can come home and have like a little extra disposable income and try whatever the hell you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it probably informs like your actual job too. Like you can write, you know, from different perspectives. Like you have like a character who does rock climbing. I don't know. Yeah. Belay on, baby. <laughs> And then you can write that off on your taxes. Be oh, like, yeah. this is research. This is character research. <laughs> yeah. At work, someone bought like a fidget box and it had like a bunch of stuff. So like fidget spinners and stuff and it had a Rubik's Cube in it. And I was like, I'm going to learn how to do this. So I like watched a ton of videos. I learned how to solve a three by three Rubik's Cube. And then I was like, I like this. And then I ordered a box of like eight and I've just been like working my way through learning how to do them. And it's like... <laughs> I remember being in a grocery store and asking my mom to buy me a Rubik's Cube. And she was like, "Mm, no. (laughs) Same. Uh, 
Yeah, I remember I watched I Love the 80s on VH1, and then I remember being at a store and asked if I could have a Rubik's Cube, and I was denied. <laughs> yeah, I, I do remember watching, like, an episode of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, you know, when Will Smith does it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you can solve this. And then I was like, I want this. And my mom was like, we're in a grocery store. No, <laughs> I told you we were coming in here to get like three things and Rubik's Cube's not one of them. And eventually like my grandma like bought me one because that's how grandmas roll. But mm, I yes. didn't, I never learned how to do it. It was like yeah. not a thing. But now I'm like 32 and I could spend 15, 20 bucks on a box of bullshit. And it's like <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Shantira, why do I feel like all your hobbies uh, have the end goal of, like, impressing women? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, check out these pickles that I jarred myself while oh, I solved this Rubik's Cube in front of me. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm trying to impress myself, you know what I mean? And that sounds like <laughs> yeah. something that I would say in order to impress another woman. You're right. I didn't know I was doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel like hobbies, the older you get, it takes the place of partying. Or like when I think of my early 20s, I was like, man, why didn't I have more hobbies back then when I started working and having disposable income? Oh, that's right. I was out trying to meet women all the time. Or I was like... Or we had no disposable income. I had yeah. no disposable yeah. income. I did free shit. Like comedy shows and hanging out. It cost zero dollars to go like chill at your friend's house but yep. like now i'm tired <laughs> and i come home and i'm like you know what i'm gonna do today i'm gonna make some drop biscuits <laughs> just like baking because <laughs> now i have money to buy vanilla extract when i was 23 i couldn't buy stuff. pure vanilla extract what are you talking about yeah swimming in it now <laughs> swimming swimming in vanilla extract swimming in, in lemon extract <laughs> yeah i just got a zester and that felt pretty huge <laughs> oh damn you put lemon zest on stuff that's yeah just, that's what's up make some shrimp scampi change some oh, lives yeah <laughs> i mean like i'm at this place now like i like to cook too like everybody's quarantine baking but yeah. I, like, I made this shrimp scampi and it you have to like pour wine in the recipe and i can't imagine a point in my life when i was like 24 when i would be like <laughs> you know what i'm gonna do with this perfectly good wine i'm gonna pour it into a pot so that all the alcohol portions of it don't matter anymore. Absolutely not. I remember having that thought like in my early 20s, <laughs> like watching the Food Network. What a waste. And then I was like, oh, you put the wine in there and then it kind of gets you drunk. And they'd be like, just know that after you heat this up, all of the alcohol it goes away. And I'm like, uh, well, what's the point? So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> Why? I, w I don't want to braise this beef in red wine. Why would I waste that red wine? <laughs> yeah, it is like hobby time right now. Truly. I picture your kitchen now has one of those signs that's like, I love cooking with wine and sometimes I put it in the food. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I'm a basic bitch. <laughs> my my ex-girlfriend's mom had that. And oh my God. she thought it was like the funniest thing. <laughs> I I do have my pickles are on shelves that I put up on the wall. <laughs> They're very pretty. They're very aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> are, are they floating shelves? Everyone's into the floating shelf. Yeah, they are floating shelves. <laughs> you know, 
I had the biggest lesbian fail the other day. I tried installing floating shelves for my wife and I couldn't get the anchors all the way into the wall. Oh, yeah. You got to hit them with that hammer because you got to like. I did. It, it just like. Did you drill a pilot hole first? Mm. I drilled the pilot hole and it and that wouldn't go all the way. In the I think there was something. OK, so like my dad is a master carpenter. Uh, <laughs> Have him but, call me after this. I want to. Get uh, I will. My dad's a master. Car- I told you he's the coolest. My dad's a master carpenter. But when I was in high school, I didn't I didn't really I learned a lot of things from him. But like I've learned more since I left home because I have like the time to do those things. There's just like a, a wood back there. It's like every 16 inches or something like that. There is yeah, a, the stud, the stud. Yeah. So like, yeah, when you did the pilot hole. Did you have a drill? Did you drill through that stud? It wouldn't go through. Like I had it. I tried to get through and then I even tried like putting a nail in and hammering it to see how far the nail would go in and the nail would bend. And I tried it in various points. So maybe it's not a it's not a wood stud. I mean, like this is definitely turning into a different kind of gay show, but it's probably (laughs) shop talk with dykes. If you live in New York, it's probably a building that doesn't necessarily have wood studs. You might have a metal stud and then you would have to use a different type of drill, which honestly, whatever type of drill you have to use to go through a metal stud, it's like not worth the amount of money for the amount of actual do it yourself shit you're doing. Yeah, no, I just have like a a baby gay drill that runs on like a nine volt battery and it's like only good for putting together Ikea furniture and that's about it. Yeah, when when your stud is like not made of wood, it's like uh, you call somebody. <laughs> so I was like, do I hire a task rabbit? But I can't have anyone here, especially I because I had coronavirus. It's definitely put a cramp in my style in terms of, you know, baking all the quarantine stuff. I haven't even gotten around to sourdough yet. It's Whoa, my girlfriend baked sourdough. I did some yeast rolls. It took me a long time to get yeast, also a shortage. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can't find any. I found some on eBay. (laughs) I bought some yeast on eBay. It took like two and a half weeks to arrive. And then I made yeast rolls. And you know what? I don't fucking regret it. (laughs) I feel like there's some 12 year old on eBay who just is like cornered the market on yeast and is making all this money. Like, I'm sure they're making a lot of money because yeast is like I've made stuff from yeast before and it was like a pack of three was like 77 cents yeah those were the those were the good old days (laughs) back in my day (laughs) like no one everyone was so like low carb you're just no one wanted carbs and then like bam bread everyone that's what's getting everyone through yeah so funny i mean like making a comeback it's something you can control it's like something you can control and it like ends up being beautiful you know, and I think we're all just doing our best. And like, if I like I made a cake, but like not the whole cake, uh, I, I've been making recipes from my my grandparents. Like they gave mm. me books when I moved away. But like, again, I wasn't buying real lemon extract. <laughs> now I can make the cakes that my grandma made and I like cut the recipes in half. I'll be like, look. This cake is sounds cool, but like there's nowhere in this house who's gonna eat a four layer red velvet cake. So I've been making like <laughs> one layer cakes. 
<laughs> just for myself. Nice. Yeah. No, that's the thing too, because my my wife is like, oh, are you gonna make macarons? Because that's something that I like to like feel fancy by making. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, then we have to eat all of them, and that is too many. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's too too much dessert. So we're just gonna make like small things of banana bread and scones, and that is it. <laughs> yeah, I I was like, I want a cake. But like, yeah. I don't even want a whole cake. So I just like, I cut everything in half and I make like a half a loaf of zucchini bread. Anything yes. that's like four cups of flowers. I'm like, I think the fuck not. Four cups <laughs> no. of flour is too much. <laughs> you got to ration it too. Yeah, truly. Mm. I also ordered flour from a small mill in Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's becoming a lesbian. I just saw an article in Vice. <laughs> Today that said, sorry, straight people, lockdown culture is just lesbian culture. And then like I the mean, byline under it is like homemade hummus, DIY haircuts and constant yearning. We've been doing that for decades. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's very interesting how things will be when this is over. I do think people will wash their hands more. I know I am. I like was like, was I washing my hands wrong before? I like don't remember what I used to do. <laughs> Yeah. I just know what I do now. It feels like this is the way I've always done it. Well, I was washing my hands a lot until I was like, I'm pretty sure this is coronavirus. And then I just <laughs> went back to like normal, <laughs> normal washing. So my hands are like intact and not completely <laughs> dry as hell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We just made our own hand sanitizer with alcohol and aloe. Oh, yeah. That's pretty gay. Yeah. That's, that's my big craft of the week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I have anything else craft wise to do this week. I do you watch those Bon Appetit videos with like Claire Fa- Sappitz? Oh, yes. She always, you know, makes the gourmet version of like all the garbage that we put in our bodies. Mm-hmm. And she just posted her recipe for homemade Pop Tarts. And I was like, do I need to make? I think I'm gonna make them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just oh really God, think I want good. a really good pop tart that I know the ingredients of. Yeah, I think that's what I'm gonna do next week. I'm just like really trying to test my I don't know limits. <laughs> <laughs> So when you do hobbies like in normal times, do you find that you like make friends or have you ever met someone that you like went on a date with through hobbies or? Uh, No, because like all my hobbies are like pretty (laughs) self-sufficient. Yeah. Like I did everything by myself. Like the skateboarding one was like the guy at the skateboard shop was really nice. And when I go back to buy hats, he's always like, how's it going? But like, it's always stuff that I've wanted to do personally that I just never got to. I I always say that I'm like, I didn't have a bad childhood, obviously, but like, I am giving myself the things that I wanted that I like, didn't get. And I think that that's a thing in adulthood that you can't like I can go outside for an hour and practice a skateboard without like my mom being worried I'm going to break my arm. I mean, she's still worried I'm going to break my arm, but she can't do shit about it. You know, <laughs> yeah. so like I haven't met like any like cool hobby friends or gone on any dates. I've been with my girlfriend for like over a year since I moved to L.A. So all my hobbies are like kind of by myself, but she does like them. She'll be like, I can't believe I date someone who builds skateboards. And I'm like, that's pretty hot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
So it's giving me clout in my already existing relationships. Nice. Well, it, <laughs> it's good that she supports hobbies. I think it's important for couples too to like have their own things. Like my sister, I um, I thought you were going to talk about your ex-wife. <laughs> oh no, my ex-wife picked up hobbies and then divorced me. So that was a case Ooh. where hobbies just went too far. She got real into divorce. Yeah. She no, but she did uh, meet people that she had crushes on doing hobbies anyway. Uh, <laughs> my sister is a, a mom, and I find that she doesn't have, like, any hobbies. And it's hard, like, as a as a working mom. But between her job and kids, I'm like, okay, well, like, what's the thing that you do for you? Like, there has to be something that you do to, like, relieve stress or feel like some type of sense of accomplishment of like, it's just for you. And I think like in any type of couple situation, it's good for everybody to have their own things. Like even my wife, you know, sometimes she'll be like, I think I want to do a tap dancing class. I'm like, go for it. You know, <laughs> whatever you want to explore, it's like good for you. My girlfriend took a sourdough class. She like wanted to make sourdough. This like before everybody was making it for quarantine. <laughs> trendsetter i know she's really doing it she's like i want to take a bread making class and i'm like hell yeah go bread make and i want to eat bread please (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean and then like i went and took this woodworking class where i built my skateboard and like made a bud vase and i came back and i was like let's put some buds in this we're both reaping the rewards of our hobbies (laughs) i love that symbiotic hobby relationship Absolutely. Yes. I also think that like if you're with someone who doesn't want you to have something that is purely yours, then like maybe break up with them. Yeah. Because, because like we're together, but we're very different people. And I in no way at all expect her to be like, yeah, I want to buy a longboard and do exactly what you're doing. If she wants to, that's fine. But like... I'm not going to be mad at her for not doing it. And like, we shouldn't be mad at each other for like liking stuff. I liked a bunch of shit before I met her and she liked a bunch of shit before she met me. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like, okay to like stuff. (laughs) And sometimes there are like hobbies that you can do together. Like uh, one of our comedy friends, her and her girlfriend, they go to like wine tasting classes and they decide to like get really into wine, which is kind of funny. I love that. We do puzzles together. We're like, we're like kind of old. We like, we're in the middle of doing a thousand piece puzzle together right now, which is like a thing we sit down and we like drink wine and talk and put a puzzle together. That's what we've been doing. Yeah. It's nice to have the things that you can do together, but then also has to be, I love that advice of if someone is trying to stop you from doing something that you enjoy doing like on your own, you yes. know, that is the biggest of red flags. Yeah, I I I don't because like my girlfriend has a green thumb. She's like growing mint. I can't grow no mint. I don't want to. I don't want to grow a damn thing. <laughs> Zero interest. If I got to grow it, I'll just be eating chips. You know what I mean? <laughs> so <laughs> we all got our own shit. I'm outside skateboarding, and she's over here planting all the herbs. So like, get you some shit that you like, and like, go whole hog. <laughs> Love it. Anything else you want to say about hobbies before getting to our listener question? I don't know. I think that as you get older, it's really cool to explore things, see what you like. There's absolutely nothing wrong with quitting after you do something and you don't like it. And I think that people don't tell you that enough. (laughs) Take one class and if you don't like it, go find something you like. (laughs) 
Yeah, don't keep doing the thing you don't like because it'll keep you from finding the thing you do like. Now that's something I'd put in my kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you know, just live, laugh, love. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Melody, did you see the pillow I'm embroidering or something? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I love those. Gather. My friend had one in her kitchen growing up. Don't drive faster than your guardian angel can fly. <laughs> that is the most wow. unique of the basic plaques I've ever seen. <laughs> but like, also, if, if you're my guardian angel, you should definitely be able to outfly me. I know. Like, yeah. I no longer trust you to look over me. Like, it's I need like, you there. Keep up, angel. <laughs> you are like another being outside of this universe, this realm. Like, you should definitely be able to beat me in a foot race minimum. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like that angel needs a rowing machine. Needs yeah. Like, yeah. Get that right. cardio up. You got to get a new angel, baby. Your angel's bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let her know. Melanie, do you want to get to our listener question? Okay. I'm a 23-year-old, out and proud lesbian, living on an island in the Mediterranean. I love my job, my friends, and my family, who have all been incredibly supportive in my coming out process. However, the lesbians on this island are scarce. I've been on a total of five dates in all the years I've been out, and the girl I was falling for ended up moving abroad. I've been on Tinder for years, and after swiping on the couples and by curious ladies, there's literally three lesbians left, which Tinder just keeps recycling. I've tried to beat femme invisibility by wearing pride pins, but nothing seems to be working. It seems like the only option to find love is to leave behind my friends, my job, and my family, all of which I adore, to move abroad. Any tips for a lonely lesbian? Hmm. That's a tough one. That is tough. Well, I guess she's screwed. <laughs> I know. Sorry. I mean, now's not really a great time to leave. That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> I mean, like everyone's Zoom dating now. Yeah. I was going to say, now is a good time to like date online and not feel weird about it because that's kind of what everybody else is doing. So maybe if you can focus your efforts on that and talk with people over Zoom, then you can see if people are like nearby like maybe you might find a long distance relationship that's not too long distance islands are hard yeah yeah i also think that like i saw this online i don't know if it might not be true i'm not trying to give you some fake shit but like it was like because of quarantine tinder and those other apps have made the like the distance boundary like they eliminated it so you could just be like I live in Mykonos, but open it up to like Paris, open it up to London, open it up to somewhere in the U.S. So because you can't actually go out and go on dates, I would look into apps that have removed the distance boundary that is often put on uh, those apps based on like where you are in connection to who you can date. Right. Normally they charge extra for like premium versions of these apps so you Mm -hmm. can be in different locations like if you're planning on traveling there in the future but it looks Mm -hmm. like yeah now you can just look at anyone anywhere I do think that there's a way for you to find love on your island unless it's like a 15 person island but I think that apps especially in your case like outside of the quarantine for finding people on the island isn't going to be the best thing because one a lot of people are probably like not wanting to be on the apps knowing that like the only other two people on are their exes like it's too small <laughs> of a 
community. I know when I was single in Atlanta, I felt like even Atlanta with my ex-girlfriend being there was too small for me to be on the apps. Like I didn't want to run into the people that they were running into. So I think when it's safe to do so, taking up hobbies and just trying to meet like as many people, whether they're gay, straight, however they identify, just Try to get more people in your life and the odds will increase. Right. Yeah, you absolutely. meeting somebody. Because somebody will like know somebody, you know, straight people, one of like the five things they're good for is that they might know somebody that you can yeah. date. They all have uh, one gay friend. <laughs> they, yeah, they, they all have that one gay friend that they keep talking about and they're so eager to set you up with them. They will let you know right away that they know one other lesbian as soon as you meet them. So picking up hobbies, going to places and not being afraid to talk to people and make friends. And, you know, it sounds like you're comfortable being out, which is great for you. You're 23. You know, things can change wildly from one month to the next in your 20s, you know, so things might seem like hopeless now. It might seem like there's nobody around. And then all it takes is one person. Absolutely. And then your life changes. So I wouldn't go up and move just because you feel like you need to be where the lesbians are. Also, I I do believe that like hobbies are like a great way just to meet people in general because you automatically are meeting a room full of people who like at least one thing that you like and want to devote time to it. I think that's for friendships. And I also think that like, not that I'm like trying to turn anybody, you know, but like 23 is a lot of people were straight when I knew them when they were 23 and they are not anymore. So you should go meet some people who like the same shit as you. And when they figure out their shit, y'all might already be in love. I was figuring out, I was trying to figure out how to say that too. (laughs) Yeah. Just kind of plant some seeds and wait a little. (laughs) But like also like not turning people, but I do believe that people will go into something and be like, oh my gosh, I love that person. So like, I think you have to be open to relationships, not necessarily just platonic ones, open Mm -hmm. to relationships so that your world is broader and bigger and people who love you will try to introduce you to other people that they love, but also genuinely 100%. Everybody that I know that's queer now, I'd say like 80% of them, when I met them, they were not. Yeah. Yeah. Same. (laughs) So give it some time, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, listener, for writing in. Best of luck to you. If you have a question, you can send it in to dykingout at gmail.com. And if you are a member of our Patreon, we will put you to the top of the mail pile or... You can go to wizio.com, that's W-I-S-I-O.com slash psyching out if you have an immediate need and a little bit of cash around and want to pay us to solve all of your life's problems. We can do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Am I overpromising? Is that <laughs> we have yeah. two five-star reviews and oh speaking of reviews, if you haven't yet, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast and can leave a review give us a positive one it helps it goes a long way and Shantira where can people find you on social media you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at T 
Tira 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 T I R A underscore T I R A underscore T I R A. It's just fun to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you can follow us at Diking Out. You can follow me personally at T G I Carolyn. And you know I'm at Melody Kamali on everything. And thank you so much for diking out with us this week. We hope you dike out with us again next week. Bye. Wander with us into a world of magic. Do you lack magic? Ever since I was born... I could hear the spirits of the other world, where old stories take on a new life. If you break even one of these conditions, the consequence is death. And the world is teeming with possibilities. It's midnight, girls! They're here! Get ready to change! Well, for the last time, we're not kissing, Fritz! Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with as you've never heard them before. You are no more than a demon! Okay, Gown. Let's do this. And reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. Ready for your next adventure? Then we'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales.